Welcome to episode two of <laughs> Room 217. We're so far into this, you don't know what episode well, we're on. Well, you know, we are doing movie and book episodes. So it's kind That's of like true. episode one, one and a half, two, two and a half. So this is technically episode two. Um, I'm Whitney Lamond, and that's my husband, John Laird, and we're, <laughs> don't nod at me like, <laughs> well, I, like that I didn't you, know you who say it was. husband almost with air quotes. It's because it's brand new. It's legal. Anyways, um, we are reading through all of Stephen King's novels His in published order. Works. Yeah. It's published works. It's a little more than just novels, because we'll do short stories and stuff too. Okay, Yes. I'm just saying, don't lie. We're reading through the Stephen King catalog and from start to finish. And that means we're now into book two, Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Dun, dun, dun. As some of you may know, this is a book about a vampire. And... um. Yeah, so I'm going to do the rundown for it real quick, as quick as I can, if you want me to. Yeah, of course. Okay. But yeah, in case anyone didn't pick up on any of that because we're being goofy, we are going through all of King's published stuff. We did Carrie. That's available now. Mm -hmm. We do all of the... We read first, and then we watch the adaptations. For Carrie, there were too many. Mm -hmm. For Salem's Lot, there appears to be too many. We'll start those this week and see how those go. Yeah. But for this show in particular, Room 217, we're talking only the book. So so Whitney. we're still in a happy place because the book, in my opinion, is really great. I think John has I've, other opinions. I like it. But we're not there yet. But there's let's, a lot to discuss. So, okay. yes, uh, run. Let's let's recap okay. the plot for anyone who maybe hasn't read this in a while or who hasn't read it at all at all, but just enjoys the sound of our voices. There's probably there's at least one person. I listen to a ton of stuff that I have not read or know anything about. Anyways, so Salem's Lot, it's published in 1975, October 17th, 1975, to be precise. And it starts in Salem's Lot. September 5th, 1975. So, Jerusalem, Maine. Um, Ben Mears is a 35-ish year old writer who spent part of his childhood in Jerusalem's lot, a.k.a. Salem's lot. Um, And he has returned after 25 years to start writing a book about the long-abandoned Marston House, which sits on top of a hill that overlooks the little town of Salem's lot. Um, when he gets to town, Ben befriends a 60-ish year old high school English teacher named Matt Burke, who's great. Um, Ben also strikes up a romantic relationship with a local just graduated from college girl named Susan Norton, who's just sweet and adorable. Her mom sucks, but her dad is cool. Her whole family lives in Salem's Lot. It's um, true, though. Her mom does suck. She does. The Marston House was built in the, I think, around 1930s, 1940s. Um, it's the house of a Depression-era hitman, Hubie Marston. Um, He's the guy who owns uh, H-E-B. Mm-hmm. Hubie uh, famously 
and known to the townspeople, died in the Marston house along with his wife. People thought weird shit was going on up there, and it has always like kind of loomed over the town of Salem's Lot. So nowadays, 1975, uh, Ben is planning on trying to at least rent the place while he's writing the book, but turns out it's just been bought by a guy named Kurt Barlow, who is an who what we first learn is an Austrian immigrant who is coming to the lot and preceding him is his like right hand man. His name is Richard Straker. Um, he's uh, kind of I don't know. I, I can't place his age in my head. His age he's, doesn't matter. He's, he's just weird. Yeah. So he's basically his henchman. Um, familiar. Come to find out, oh my God, Barlow is actually a an ancient vampire who predates Christianity. He's been around forever. Straker is his human familiar. Um, their arrival in Salem's lot coincides with the disappearance of a boy named Ralphie Glick and the subsequent death of his brother Danny, who ends up being the first vampire turned by Barlow. From there, a lot of people in the town start turning. Shit gets wild. Um, Ben is getting wise to this vampire thing, but more so Matt, his English teacher friend, is the one who is like, I really think shit's going down because he tries to help someone who basically ends up being a vampire. Um, Along the way, they enlist Matt's doctor, Jimmy, and a Catholic priest named Father Callahan, who, and a spry little lad named Mark Petrie. Because that's what you do when you need help. Hey, in a Stephen King book, you need a kid who's kind of quiet, is very smart, is not afraid to really stand up to bullies, but is maybe a little small and knows a lot of shit. And that's Mark Petrie. He's around 10 years old. And so it's these four men and Mark. And Susan is part of it for a little bit. But unfortunately, of course, she is a woman. So she gets turned, I guess, probably like halfway through the book. Um, Yeah, it's the first real thing that happens in this book. uh, Takes forever. Yeah, so these four guys decide that they're going, and a child decide that they're going to kill Barlow and save the town. And that is what the book is about. Yes. Things don't go as smoothly as that they would like. But, that but they is, never do. That is what, is, that's the gist. Mm-hmm. That's also the issue with the book, is that that was 45 minutes of, <laughs> here's what might happen, and then there's like four pages of what actually happens. This book, no. the buildup. You did the, the buildup in this book is so slow. You would swear that no one knew what a vampire was in 1975. Mm. It is so obvious that it's vampires, but there's like four thousand pages of hey, it, it we don't well, know, and then it's like okay, these people are no supposed shit. to the, these people are supposed to be real people. Would you honestly yes. think? know that oh our next door neighbor is a vampire this I is why people are been dying. watching all of the neighbors on this street for a while and i've confirmed none of them are vampires but that i assume that with anyone i meet your first idea is hi right new person are you a, a vampire are you a familiar that's my first thought oh, okay B, is it daytime have i ever seen you out during the day to it. yes okay. if daytime i've seen thing. them out it, in the it. day they're they're cool 
Mm-hmm. If I haven't, well, then. Then they're not cool. Right. They, I would. They could be vampires. I could say that if people are observing our house in your vision, they would think that you are a vampire. No, I walk down you... and get toilet paper during the day about <laughs> once every two weeks. And it's very obvious. So, I don't know. I love you, though. But I would be the familiar because I'm out during the day all the time walking. That's and because you can't sit I can't, still. No, I, I can't. can sit still for days. No problem. Inside. It's weird. No, Anyways, it's awesome. based on what you've it's said, I, I'm concerned about your soul <laughs> and if you are a member of the undead. Maybe. Either way, the point is that that's kind of my main thing with this book is I did like it and it eventually does pick up and it works and I had a really good time with it. But the first chunk of it is just so long and it's building and building as though it has some secret cool mystery but the whole time it's so obvious that it's vampires and it just took so long to get there and that's that's that that was it it for me with this it starts small because and stays small no it doesn't okay so the first major (laughs) thing that happens is when's dog gets killed yeah and somebody, that's page 75. Somebody finds page 75. A, yeah, that's early in this. This book is long. I know. And it's what? A little over 600 pages long. So page 75, they find a dog strung up on the outside of a cemetery. And that from there on to me is pretty like other stuff happens the guy who digs the graves, don't forget about him. All this stuff um, with, well, that's him. What's his name? Doesn't I got matter. It. It's just so. Oh, I know it. Mike Ryerson. Yeah, it doesn't matter. There are a lot of, I know you had a little bit of issue with everybody kind of having similar dude names like Ben, Matt, Mike, Mark. Yeah, uh, I mean, not really. I, I, mainly my thing is that if you're going to. I mean, it might have just been because this was written in the 70s. And I know part of some of the early versions of this book, King didn't have quite such a lead up to it. It was kind of later added in and altered and all of that stuff. But and he kind of drew out the first chunk of this book, which is fine. I just, if you're going to leave me mm-hmm. in the dark for so long... Mm-hmm. then what I really want is for these sort of main characters to kind of more tell the story. And the first chunk of this book is a lot of these little minor characters that die and go away, but they get all of this. I'm going to call it screen time where it's this guy shooting rats forever and you don't really know but him the- at all. And then he gets killed and he's turned the garbage and dump is an important setting i get that but what i'm saying is that i would have liked some way for ben or matt or somebody to have been i guess investigating these things on their own and piecing these parts together and then slowly building this thing where it's like is this possibly vampires wow this is wild they end up doing that but that doesn't start until well well into the book And so the first chunk of it is just all these bits of narrative from all these random characters that you don't know, you don't care about, and then 
it just drags. It just dragged for me. It just took so long to do anything. And it was so obvious. I'm like, oh, my God, I get it. It's a damn vampire already. Let's let's move this forward. See, I think the build, I know it's a slow build. And I know that people, from what I was reading when doing research, people did say, yes, it takes a while to get into the book. However, for me, I the way Stephen King writes is so engrossing. I I really enjoyed every second of it. And I got through the first half of this book really quickly because I just Fair love reading. And a lot of the, the stuff I he, read, too, when I was doing my own research was that, uh, you know, a lot of people either really like this book or don't seem to really think much of it. See, and I wonder, because this is my first time actually reading the book. I've, I listened to it on Audible the first time a few years ago, and I didn't like this book as much as when I went back and actually read it. And I mm. think it's because when I'm listening, I am expecting that type of shock and awe, more entertainment thing, instant gratification almost. And with reading it, though, I just really enjoyed it I love all of the townspeople and all the like weird things that happen because in real life that is how it happens like you're not just gonna be the center of it immediately most likely and he wasn't he was on the outskirts yes it's kind of kismet that he came into the town at the same time as Barlow getting there However, Barlow isn't going straight for him and his group of friends until halfway through the book because they're moving in, they're getting settled in their new vacation home at the Marston house and <laughs> it like does kind of feel killing like some little kids and vacation. doing that whole we own an antique store thing. Right. Like, Which is what I've always used as a cover as well. Antiques. Yeah. Because no one knows enough about antiques to say whether or not you know enough about to say antiques. Boo about it. Except that all the townspeople think it's weird because essentially the town is dying off. Yeah, everyone is like, this entire town is an antique. Why would yeah. you bring more junk? We here? don't need this. There's no need. But it doesn't matter because it's right. just a front. And then people are also like, ooh, new people. Yeah. Bring in some well, old and stuff. People I are don't charmed care. by Straker despite the fact that he is kind of, in my mind, he's like Lurch in the Adams Family movie, except. Mm bald and a little less lurchy but still same kind of size and just a little yeah, more he's charismatic described as tall and bald and yeah. weird but kind of charming yeah well in the i saw in the rob Lowe adaptation of the movie or whatever um donald sutherland plays straker mm, and solid well but he's got like long flowing his beautiful white hair and I just mm. don't see it. Good point. But let's just go ahead and not watch that movie. Then we already hate it. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. No, I'm watching. Um, yeah. I mean, anyways, there is that slow build. There's a lot of stuff about random bits of the town and just, just, just so much. It just meanders that first part for me well, way too much. But once it gets going, see, it is really, really entertaining. It's, uh, I don't know if I was ever particularly scared in any parts but there's some Ugh. creepy stuff in it and i was like oh wow this is cool like the, it gets going it just takes a while a I long long I still while disagree. so looking back at my notes 
I thought finding the dog, well, that was a creepy thing, not necessarily scary. But when the first kid that gets killed happens, Danny and Ralphie Glick, they're taking a shortcut through the woods to go to to try and get over to um, Mark Petrie's house. And halfway through the woods, they get attacked by something. And I thought that was really scary. Um, I think that the part where Royal and Hank, the like basically the guys who are the movers, are moving the stuff into creepy. the basement of the yeah. Marsden house. That's a, good cre- that's a good creepy part. Fucking creepy. And how they realize they like didn't put on that final lock after they're in the car and they like have to go back. It's it's creepy, creepy stuff. I'm so surprised you weren't scared by that. I think it was just because it, the narrative is just it jumps around so much, and I wanted it to really settle on one or two people. And every other chapter, it's like, I'm a hillbilly. I shoot rats at the dump, and then it'd be like 40 pages of that, and then it would be like, Dud oh is hey, the dump. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying, like, there's just a lot of that. And I couldn't get into the flow of it in the first part at all. It was just jarring for me and it meandered. And I just really wanted, I guess, too, because the the parts where it's like Ben and Susan are really charming and I like the way they're written. And then the parts where it's Matt and Ben are interesting. And I like the way they talk to each other. And the parts where it's Mark and a lot of his inner dialogue is like really cool. And I just want them to do something and said they're like you said, they're sort of outliers in the story for the first part of it. And it just meandered, just took too long for me. But again, once it gets going, this is a cool book. Okay. So I feel like your once it gets going part is probably when Mike Ryerson becomes a vampire at Matt Burke's house. Yes. Is that before or after Susan and Mark try to break into the house? No, because remember, Mike or Matt, Susan comes to Matt's house. Right, right, right. Because. Um, yeah. Okay. I will say then and she's it's, there before, when Mike- it's before Mark and Susan then go to the house. And it's when, uh, yeah. Ma- Matt brings Mike home and he wakes up in the mi- in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. he can hear the sucking the, from the little kid who's still like no killing him. I'm sorry, Matt. I said Matt. When Matt wakes up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And Mike is in the other room. Yes. And Barlow comes to him. Oh, you thought it was Barlow coming to him. Was it not? In my head it was um the Glick boy. He's like the first vampire, and well, I he thought goes he to said. See Mark. Hold on, he. See, this is the problem again. Everyone has the same damn name in this thing. Two sixty one. Hold on, I have these notes, and I'm pretty sure Matt thinks that he hears a child's voice at one point. So, I don't know. Mike Ryerson's voice spoken in dead accents of sleep. Quote: Yes, come in. Matt's breath stopped, then whistled out in a second. In a soundless scream. I'm pretty sure it's Barlow that comes to him. And in the awful heavy silence of the house, as he sat impotently on his bed with his face in his hands, he heard the high, sweet, evil laugh of a child 
and then the suckling sounds. Well, what you don't know is, for me, I imagine Barlow is having a high-pitched <laughs> child's voice. Yes, that was it. Was one of, as he's aged, uh-huh. his voice has actually gotten, gotten higher. higher. Okay, okay. It's reversed for most people because he's a vampire. So that's where I am on this. Okay. Well, in my head, the child <laughs> voice was the Glick boy. All right. Fair enough. Um, Jiminy Glick. Close. But Danny Glick. Yes, I know. I'm just. No. Well, I mean, there's Ralphie an and Danny. They're kind of. Well, anyways, when that happens, when mm-hmm. Matt wakes up in the middle of the night, that is when the book really kicks off for me and things get fun and interesting mm-hmm. and creepier. And they're just a good time from there. It just takes forever to get there. Yeah. In my opinion. You liked the buildup. I thought the buildup was kind of boring. But from there, how do you we're, we're, we're rock solid on right. this being entertaining. I mean, it's like I when we were both kind of sitting on the couch doing research, you know, I, I laugh because one of the things I saw as I was Googling around for Salem's Lot stuff, uh, one of the Google options was, when does Salem's Lot get good? <laughs> And, mm. and that was one of the more prevailing options when you, you know, just Google Salem's Lot. And I think that there's a reason for that. And again, it's because the first part is so slow, but it doesn't matter because the back half of the book is yeah. awesome. So after Mike gets turned, Matt and Ben or Matt tells Ben, he's like, hey, man, I'm having a weird time with this. This guy is at my house. Can you please just come over right now? And he's like, okay. And he comes over. Matt and them see him dead. And then Ben is still on the fence. I feel like it took Ben, being the protagonist, a very long time to finally accept that this is vampires. But see, when you you brought up the if this was the real world type stuff earlier, and that is some of my favorite stuff between Ben, Mark, and Matt, Mm -hmm. and also Jimmy. Yep. And somewhat, I guess, Father Callahan, Callahan also. But the, and Susan, forty-five characters. They all they. I like the way that King writes it in a way that they dissect the information and situation together in a way that makes sense. And by the time you get to here, I guess maybe just the slow roll of this information, you just sort of ingrained in you because the first part of the book is that way. But I like the way that they sort of methodically work through the evidence and every time a new person gets brought in they start at the beginning and go okay here's where we were on this here's what's happened this is what we think what do you think Mm -hmm. you know like are we being crazy or do you agree right and i like the way that every new person they bring in is like well that all i see where you're going Mm -hmm. but but I don't know. And then always something wild happens. And immediately they're like, uh, <laughs> I believe you now. And, yeah, you know, they just I like the way that they talk and dissect the information and come together to a point that is a crazy point, obviously. But um, I, I like the way that they get to that. And Ben being slow, I get because, you know, he's a writer and he's written this kind of stuff. So he's so he's almost kind of cautious against well, letting his imagination you run. You would think because. The reason Ben is there is because he had this horrible experience as a child at the Marston house. Sure, but he's a kid. He saw Hubie Marston hung up in the room in the Marston house. Right. And you get that story around page 300-ish. And that's also what piques Susan's interest in the house. 
which ultimately becomes her demise. Mm, that's my favorite part in the book. When Mark and Susan mm-hmm. uh, go to the house, they don't go there together. They just happen to meet up there. And then they break into the house. Well, I love it because Mark. That's my favorite part in the book. Mark is there on his own volition because he knows that there's a bad guy there. And he's just a kid. Right. But he's got to fucking do something about it. And Susan is going there basically just to confront Straker. Right. Well, she's also going to confirm what Matt and them have told her. Right. Um, but it's that, daytime. That van- I know. That's why she wants to go during yeah. the day. She wants to see it for herself and be like all right, it's real. And Mark, being an intrepid young man, is like, well, I'll just go in this because kids yeah. don't know any better. Well, and he wants to protect Susan because he has yes, that. Yes, once they get caught, they he, he does try to protect her. But I really love the... I mean, all of Mark's inner dialogue to me is really great in this. Um, I like that he's this kind of brainy kid who takes the time to think through things and try to come up with a way to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he gets caught by Straker and tied up, he's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of a, he's sort of all twisted up in like a ball. And I don't know, King goes into a lot of detail, of course, about how it's really cramping his nutsack, which was kind of weird. But, you know, King always has that in everything. <laughs> There's always right. some one like weird part about genitals. And uh, well, but that's the weird part in Salem's Don't lot. you think as like an 11, 10 to 11 year old boy, you're very aware of your balls at that point? That never goes away. OK, but well, either way, <laughs> I mean, I'm I, just saying like that, of all the places on your body that would hurt the most, it'd probably be your balls. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying there's just a lot of detail. And then even after he escapes, he's like, he felt his balls warm with pain or something like that. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Thanks for that up further update. Breaking, I don't know. I breaking don't, news, Mark's balls still I hurt. don't have balls, okay. so I don't know. But Anyways, I appreciate he was in a great deal of pain. Right, right. I like that scene a lot. I like the way he works through it, and he concentrates, and he gets his hands undone. Well, and then he gets out, and then he fucking hits Straker in the head and then he goes to try to find old Susan and Susan's been taken into mm-hmm. the basement. But that's my favorite part. I love the way it's written. I love the buildup. You know that them going there even during the day, even though they watch Straker drive away, even though they somehow go there on bad missions, they end up together. So you get this little bit of like, okay. And then you see Straker drive away and you're like, okay. And then they get in. Okay. And then you just know it's not, it's not going yeah, to end well. Can. And it's like, is the kid going to die or is the woman going to die? One of them, something bad is going to happen. And sure enough, old Susie gets taken. She does. And turned. And then Ben eventually has to kill her. Right. And poor, poor Mark. The trauma this child suffers through the book is vast. Right. And he completely breaks down in the end. Yeah. He, he, oh, yeah. He really, the poor thing. he really shits the bed when Ben needs him. He's a 10-year-old. <laughs> his, anyways, his I do want to point out for so anybody it. that has read other Stephen King, there is a part right before he decides that he's going to go to the Barlow house or the Marston house. He, The thing that makes him go is because Danny Glick comes to fucking knock on his window like a creepy vampire <laughs> and is like, let me in. And the way he kind of breaks this hypnosis is by thinking, thinking about, about monsters balls. and <laughs> saying he 
thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees the ghost, which is the line in the book It that um, the main character, or Bill, Bill always says to make himself stop stuttering, and it's something that he uses to fight it in the other book. But which it came after this, it came so now you're, way you're, after now you're it. spoiling alerting. I'm not spoiling it, <laughs> but I just, I like... My favorite part it's one with of those Mark and his... clearly it, stuck in Stephen King's Mark head. in his bedroom, though, is when he's like, hey, vampire, come on in. And then, and then he smashes like, it in the head. I'm like, good for you, little kid. Yeah, with a little plastic cross. Right. He was like, essentially, hey, stop waking me up in the night. I'm young. This is really annoying. I've got to get sleep. And you just come and wrap it on my window all the time. Why don't you just come on in? Although that betrays him later because I assume, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I assume him inviting in the vamp just kind of, ran up the chain of is that why you I, that's one of my notes i'm assuming that's how barlow gets in the house yes. later is because mark invites the vamp in and then that runs up the chain of command to barlow to open and house then, right and then barlow is able to come in and smash together poor mark's parents heads see and then he burns out the faith in that, father callahan that, that is a rough scene well Let's get to it. There we are, are other into scenes. it. That part really bothered me in the book because I was just like, I was like, how did Barlow even get in? Right. Like just because he cut the power and the phone lines and like all that doesn't mean the vampire should be able to get into the house. But mm. if you think that, you know, that's what what's I mine assumed. is yours applies to permission. Right. Isn't that the only explanation really? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think so. There's no other reason I could think Unless of it. Unless he showed up and was like, Candy Graham for Mark's parents. <laughs> and they were like, come on in. What's up, guy? You look like Nosferatu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could have happened. I think, he, see, that's another thing is in, like, the depictions of Barlow on, like, fan art stuff that I ran across while doing research. They do make him look very Nosferatu-y. But throughout the book, I feel like he has hair. Like, he's more of, like, the classic Dracula look. Also, to be fair, his name was Barlow. So I just imagined him as, like, a 45-year-old looking, like, dad from the suburbs. I I needed him to have a much creepier name. I think Barlow's a creepy name. Barlow is not a creepy name. I worked with a guy whose last name named Barlow. He was a web designer, and he looked like a 45... I hope he's not listening. And he looked like a (laughs) 45-year-old dad from the suburbs. And so every time I read that guy's name, I was like, I just imagine the Barlow I worked with. I think that's on you. I think he should have just had a creepier name. Like what? Dracula. You can't call him Dracula. Okay, Barlacula. Okay, that sounds like a vampire that's haunting a bar. That sounds like a great (laughs) book to me. I'm going to write this. Well, I think what we do in the shadows already did it. Yeah, that was the other thing. Straker, I really wanted Straker to just, because we've been watching what we do in the shadows while reading this. And I really just wanted Straker to be Guillermo from what we do in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And he's not. I'm sorry. Well, I also did a dumb thing where I was listening to um, Anne Rice's uh, interview with the vampire book mm. while I was reading. And what were the names of the vampires in that? 
Lestat and Boom. Louis cool and Louis, not quite creepy, but Claudia. I, ooh. There weren't any really uh, like old female vampires. No Barlows. <laughs> I'm just saying. whatever. I'm just saying. That's silly. All right. Silly, silly, silly. I'm just saying it was a little distracting. Okay. So let's yes. get back to All right. more I scary really, scenes. For I really me. love uh, the scariness of, uh, I don't know if it was scary, but just the anxiety portion filled part of Mark and Susan trying to get in. Yes. And then what happens right after that? If we want to go in chronological order, yeah, let's just run down the stuff you really liked. Okay. Well, about halfway through the book, this is when Jimmy and Ben are so that's the doctor and right. our main protagonist Ben Mears are I like at, Jimmy a lot. I love Jimmy. Jimmy's great. Jimmy's a cool character. They're at the morgue because mm. Danny's Glick's mom is dead. And they're like, shit's going down. We're pretty sure it's vampires. Hey, let me call in a favor and we're gonna go to the morgue. And so they're sitting there talking over Mrs. Glick's body, basically, when uh oh, she comes back to life. Yes. And she forgot to turn the oven off. This is the beginning of the uh, like section of the book called or part two, which is called The Emperor of Ice Cream, which is this poem by Wallace Stevens that I went down a big old fucking wormhole on. And I don't know if you remember it, but it's very short. If I could read it. Do you mind? It's our pot. You can do whatever you want. Okay. You're not getting paid. Here goes the emperor of ice cream. Call the roller of big cigars, the muscular one, and bid him whip in kitchen cups, concupiscent curds. Let the winches dawdle in such dress as they are used to wear, and let the boys bring flowers in last month's newspapers. Let B be the finale of seam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. Take from the dresser of deal, lacking the three glass knobs, that sheet on which she embroidered three fantails once, and spread it so as to cover her face. If her horny feet protrude, they come to show how cold she is and dumb. Let the lamp affix its beam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. That was really long. That's not long. <laughs> well, now that you say it out loud, I do recognize it as something I often repeat in the showers. So that's well, I'm glad you brought it up. So that scene, and from what I've read, the Emperor of Ice Cream poem is mainly about a woman who is dead, and in one room of her house is like her body on display for this funeral, and the other room is where all of the funeral goers are like, making ice cream and chatting and bringing flowers. And it's like this contrast of death and life. And is the emperor of ice cream just like you and life is fleeting. It's like ice cream. And the only emperor you could be is of ice cream. And that to me ties into this particular scene with Ben and Jimmy over this body of Mrs. Glick and they're just chatting because they're basically waiting for her to wake up and then boom it fucking happens and here's Miss Glick to try and kill you motherfuckers so watch out because you know death is imminent John hmm. that's deep 
I'm sorry. No, it's I deep. thought this was you, a book discussion. You went real into it. All I really remember is, ooh, this is creepy. We know what's going to happen. She woke up and Jimmy got bit. But he sanitizes himself. I know. Which, which is, if that's all you have to do. But, I mean, he, that part was wild to me because I have never read or watched anything where someone is able to successfully prevent the right. spread of like a zombie-esque disease. Yeah, you have to cut your arm off at best. Yes. Like uh, in World War Z. Yeah. Yep. Cut the arm off. The movie, not the book, but the movie, yeah, the soldier. That's real great, everybody. No, I agree, but I'm saying the the soldier in the movie cuts her arm off and she's able to not turn. Yeah. Um Real proud of Jimmy on that one. Mm. I'm glad he lived longer because yeah, I was died a horrible ugh, death later. Let's get to it. His is the worst. <laughs> it is. His is the worst death in the whole book. I think his his death feels unfair because you you kind of get the vibe as he just continues to survive that mm-hmm. he's gonna make it and then he doesn't. He yeah. he falls into a bed of knives and dies a horrible, <laughs> horrible death. Poor fucking Jimmy. And poor Mark, who, of course, has to be back in the house with him. Yeah. yeah. The fact that Mark was even able to go, that little boy, go back into that fucking god-awful house after Straker catches him and, like, ties him up for food for Barlow later. Oof. I just... I feel so bad about it. But Barlow died. Not Barlow. I'm sorry. Uh, Jimmy dies at Eva's house. At Ava. Oh, that's right. It is Eva. Eva's house. It's Eva. Yeah. Yeah. Eva. You're right. Sorry. I'm yeah, looking for my notes because you keep. Barlow is in the in the basement, hidden behind a shelf in a secret compartment. And old that's Jimmy right. is like, I you're think right. I got an idea, and he runs down there and falls on all the knives. Yeah. Knives out. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the part where, uh, Jimmy gets bit and the lady flip flops around on the table and jumps up and mm-hmm. it, it, and cause that's also Jimmy at that point in time is like, well, this may be true, but I need to like see it. And he and Ben go and he's like, this is what's going to happen. And still, you know, they're like, eh. and then what do you know? She jumps up and bites him. Emperor of ice cream, babe. Yes. We're all just an emperor of ice cream. After that happens, Mark and Susan, Mark escapes, Barlow's house, Susan is dead, uh, or vampirized. Matt regroups with everybody and is like, we need to kill Barlow. And they decide to set off for the house. This is Mark, Ben, Jimmy, and Callahan. We didn't even really talk about how Callahan even came into the picture. Yeah, you know, I know he serves a role in some of the Dark Tower books later, and he, he kind of has somewhat of an interesting arc, but I didn't really latch on to him like I did the other characters. I agree. I don't know why, really. I, I didn't have any issues with that character, and when he loses his faith and just sort of bugs out there when they're in Mark's house and Barlow shows up and kills Mark's parents and stuff. His main purpose is that right. he ultimately saves Mark. Right, right, right. But up up until then, I I don't I didn't really care about that character all that much for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. I think I may have just been too attached to the little trio of Matt, ben, ben, and Mark, and and with Jimmy as an aside. Yeah, and even really with 
Susan as an aside up until, you know, she met her untimely demise. Emperor of ice cream. Yeah. I I like Callahan. Yeah, I, didn't I do feel not like, like him. I yeah. just wasn't attached to yeah, that character. Yeah, I agree. He but I get it because that's they do pretty early on in the book realize the significance of like religious mm. artifacts and how they can be used to combat the vampires. Yeah. And I true. love the part where they realize that like their crosses and stuff if they're believing in these things it basically like shoots out light it's like some yeah. like godly sort like yeah. this when callahan stops thing. believing and barlow comes up and just like knocks the cross Ugh. out of his hand you're like so upsetting whoa also how could you stop believing if you have like a glowing cross in your hands like i mean the i would be light. like cool i believe in god now the light of father callahan i know well he goes on to do a lot of things after this book because I think Stephen King really likes him as a character. He's in multiple... I thought he was just in the Dark Tower stuff. No, it's it's more than just the Dark Tower. All right, well, either way. Um, so who is your favorite character in all of this? Matt. Yeah, Matt mine Burke, is, Mine is also Matt. I love him. Yeah. Um, he seems, A, really nice and generous because he takes in Mike when he's all wigged out at the bar. He's yeah. quick to befriend Ben and other people. He seems just like a regular, normal dude who knows his kind of situation of being in a small town and being a small town English teacher. But he's, you he's know, he's also, still on a search to better himself yeah. and get him from me. He's just a very likable, relatable character. He's also the first one who genuinely is like, okay, I've exhausted every other idea and I'm going to have to believe that this is a right. vampire. Yeah. And now it's my job to convince everybody else that is a we're dealing right. with a fucking vampire. And, and like, it's crazy, but this is what we are. And I kind of like that they also sort of, King essentially makes him the man in the chair. He sits in his hospital bed after yeah. he has a heart attack and he kind of directs and gets information and helps everybody out. You know, he's he never stops working. He always has a bunch of books. Yeah. And, I, I like that he he comes he becomes the man in the I chair or in him. this case the the man in the hospital bed. But uh, yeah, Matt is definitely my favorite character. Mm -hmm. uh, my least favorite character is easily Susan's whole family. Yeah, Susan. Well, Susan's dad is cool. <sighs> He's just a guy. Yeah. Susan, I liked. Yeah, I like Susan. Um, but her Susan's mother. mom is terrible, but I don't I don't know if I would really consider her a main character. She shows up enough. To agitate me <laughs> greatly. Okay. Every time she appears in the book at all, I'm like, oh, God, here's you know, 40 pages of who her complaining. I also loved was Eva, the right. house woman. The and her, like, drunk and her helper. drunk boyfriend. Yeah, I like that, too. I loved them, and I was really bummed that, obviously, well, basically everybody in the town gets turned into a vampire. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, town there's is... There's no uh, escaping. It's not a good town anymore. Mm -mm. Um, Mainly because things are only open at night. You can't get anything during the <laughs> can't day. Can't do it. Sucks. I, yeah. Eva vamped by Ed is what I have in my notes. Mm. There is the sheriff, Parkins. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. I do like the sheriff. He knows more than he lets on all yeah, the time. Yeah, but at the end, he's like, peace out. I'm yeah, good. I like that. I'm good. I don't want to do this. It's it, I hate the 
You don't always got to be a hero. Some people, you sometimes. Are, your job is to be a hero. Hey, You're the sheriff. Emperor of ice cream. Okay. He read it. Mm. He understood it. But they had, they're the ones who had Susie's ex-boyfriend in custody because he got like zonked by Barlow, went and beat the shit out of Ben Mears in the beginning. And then he ended up vampirizing yeah, Floyd. Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. Floyd Tibbetts. I just imagine that poor sheriff, when he moved on to like dairy or something else awful and he's just, he's never gotten away from anything. Well, he's, I've, you know, he's part of the problem, honestly. Mm. If systemic, he's not going to help Systemic fight, vampire problem. He is part of the problem. He's, I just. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but I like that, um, you know, it's kind of like you were saying with, uh, you know, a lot of this book, there's just sort of as you perceived a realistic ramp up of what is really happening. And some of these characters, you know, spectacular individuals are like, holy crap, what do we go do? And the sheriff was like, I'm leaving. Yeah. This is insane. I'm not doing this because I'm not giving up my life for a bunch of dopes in this small town. Basically the end of the book. I have page 610. Sheriff Parkins Gillespie leaves, tells Ben and Mark he's leaving town. What a dick. Yeah. Because it's a dick move. It is. I didn't really mind. So the way they do finally kill Barlow. That is, aside from Mark and Susan and that whole house part, the Marston house with the striker and everything being my favorite part, my second favorite part is when they realize where Barlow is mm-hmm. and you know Jimmy dies and then Mark, They're in Eva's in the basement. Right, and Mark has to get Ben, and then they go, and they have to work their way around poor Jimmy's body and uh, not fall on the knives themselves. And yeah. then they get in, and they can't find him, and the, the sun is going down, and you know King puts yeah. so much effort into letting you know the exact... The exact time. Well, and the exact location of the sun. Like, yeah. okay, it's just, just one ray coming up, you know, and it's like he goes down, and then they finally realize where he is, and then they roll him out. Yeah. And then they stab him and their hope is that it's gonna like eviscerate all the other vampires mm-hmm. and it doesn't nope and then they have to just well and flee. mark gets so they're in the cellar by six twenty three p.m in the fall right so that's around sunset but by yeah, six forty five that's when barlow opens his eyes and hypnotizes mark and mark has gets like the gun from Ben's pocket and you're like, Oh God, Mark is going to end up killing Ben. But, um, Ben ends up stabbing Barlow. Barlow dies. It dehypnotizes Mark and Mark and Ben just fucking peace out. It's yeah, cause it just pisses off all the other vampires. Yeah. They don't just go away or turn back. They don't, which I think is what they were hoping. And it doesn't happen at all. No. All the vampires are just like, we're mad. Yeah. And then old Ben and Mark have to flee across the country. They end up in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then the book ends with them returning and setting the town on fire. Or they start a yes. fire, but there's a lot of references in the book to where the worst thing ever happening in uh, this town was uh, a fire. Um, yeah, 1951, And how, and how it like, spread fire. really easily yep. and stuff. So they come back with the kind of the same intention, which is during the day, set a huge fire the town will burn up and burn ideally all of these vampires will die while they're napping yep 
Um, and that's how the book ends, which is a really great ending. But again, the back half of the book is so good, and I really enjoyed all the, you know, there's a lot of little action-packed moments and a lot of really great dialogue. Like I said earlier, it just takes so long to get going. But my favorite character? Matt. Matt, my least favorite character. It's really just Susan's mom. Um, what was your favorite part of the book? I know, I know mine is when Mark and Susan go to the house, but what's your, your top part? Well, I have a few. You get one. Because it's number I get one. one. Your top one. Not we just went all we just went through all the fun creepy moments. I know we did. So what's your favorite? We didn't say this part because it was like a little aside, one of those little aside so stories. So is it your favorite part? I really loved this one part. Let me see if I can find my notes on it. So it's the part where they talk about it's pretty it's just a few pages and they talk about the shit that's happening to the other people in the town while they're trying to kill Barlow. It's other people getting attacked by other vampires and the fucking guy who drives the school bus who is such a dick hears people out in his school bus at night and he's like those kids are fucking with my school bus mm. and he goes into the school bus and bam it's full of a bunch of little vampire kids and they kill him <laughs> and i loved that little scene it was so fun and just straight i don't know it was just like horror porn for right. no right. reason i really loved that part what was your scariest moment I think mine is when they're racing against time to get to, kill to Barlow, him. kill Barlow. Because, I don't know, you just don't, people are just dying so fast at that point. It's like, are they going to make it out of this? Yeah. How are they going to get him? Or is he going to wake up and they're going to have to, like, legit fight him? They won't have a chance. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God. That's probably my I scary, think scary part. My scariest part was susan and mark going into the house and getting right. caught by straker yeah that's definitely a and close second for me him mark finally kind of escaping and hearing susan and knowing that she's like bad right what's your uh, favorite death mine is is probably jimmy because, your favorite death? well because it's just gnarly but also when straker smashes mark's parents heads together and instantly kills him that part's pretty cool too <laughs> well i loved the part obviously where the bus driver gets right killed. that's a good death loved that death i i mean jimmy's is the most horrific mm -hmm, mm -hmm. matt's was just the saddest because he basically just has another heart attack yeah, yeah but it's because he sees i'm pretty sure he sees barlow in an olden times picture and is like holy shit this is the guy and then is like dies i matt it is kind of an unceremonious death for i'm glad he didn't for matt die horrifically though yeah yeah because jimmy gets it bad he really does sorry jimmy um then on the other hand screw you jimmy no he's great yeah, i'm just kidding i like okay jimmy. good thank you <laughs> what else did you really enjoy in this i mean once um, it gets going, it gets going. So there, there's a lot the that happens. I love the town building and yeah, I know. But I want to visit Maine so badly. Let's go Just right now. from, we can't go right now. We're in lockdown. We're in Texas. We're the bad. hot spot. <laughs> How um, bad is it in Maine? Yeah. Maybe we should just Probably move. really great. We'll just move to Maine. I don't think you can get there from Texas right now. I can. Okay. 
Anyway. If Barlow can ship himself to Maine, I can drive us there. You can ship yourself there? Even better. Okay. Purchase me on Amazon Prime. Ship me to Maine. Okay. Easy. I think you'll die on the way, but... I, that is not if very you're willing to take a chance. <laughs> um, I just I love the way he builds towns. I love the way Stephen King writes children's point of views. Yeah. And I I really liked it in this book because Mark is he's basically almost the voice of reason, but he's like a ten year old. Yeah, but so are Ben and Matt. They are, and but I think that's they one of the rely th- so heavily on Mark. One of the things I'm not a huge fan of is that Ben and Matt and Mark sometimes have the same inner dialogue tone. And so I would have to be like, who the hell's talking in their head right now? Who's mm. doing this or that? It's like it kind of runs together. They, they feel like different versions of the same character, right? Maybe Mark that's is the part young version. It. Ben is the middle-aged version. Matt is the you know, old version. I think you have something there. No one's probably ever came up with this. I am now the <laughs> foremost expert on series. But I think that I think that's true and that's why they all work so well together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what was the original question? I was just asking what else did you really like in this yeah. novel? I mean, lots of little things. Good, good. It's better if you keep them secret. I'm sorry. I, it's, I don't podcast. have all of them. Every time I try to read my notes, you give me shit. Well, yeah, you're supposed to just know uh-huh. that. It's fine. Well, I'm sorry. It's, it's like a 700-page book, and I don't I remember, remember every, every part. I remember every word. What other questions do you have? Because I have some. Hit me with them. All right. These are my questions I will ask you every time we Great. do a book. Uh, yeah, I ran through mine already. Do you think this should be remade into a series? Yeah, it, it would be like a good a TV series, series. But it would need to be... Like, I don't need the first two seasons to be the first part of this book. Okay. I got to figure out something else, which is, again, I think it, it might just be because this, uh, when it was written and things are just so different now with this kind of story, vampires and all this, it's like there's a dime a dozen. But I think like Ben arriving and him just being sort of entangled in just weird things and befriending people like Matt and Susan and coming to these conclusions of so like what is really happening I do think that works in the form of a TV show you don't think it would be kind of like you know Game of Thrones season one they show you the White Walkers first thing and then it's just until like the second season but season one is still really great because there's shit going down Great. I'm not saying that Straker. The show begins with Straker. He's opening up an He's Amazon just buying as package. many antiques as he can, right? To fill the store with even better. Um, yeah, I do think it could work as a TV show, though, right? I yes, I love. So as a kid, I was so fucking terrified of vampires. They like I had nightmares every night for years because of vampires it probably didn't help that your mom stood outside of your window and knocked on it and said let me (laughs) but as a kid vampires were more of like a zombie that can speak and is gonna kill your whole family it's not gonna come over and you're gonna have sex with it and this like relationship i think more of an interview with a vampire and they're sexy yeah to me they're they're the buffy the vampire slayer vampire she was sexy but even buffy spike hello but the movie right 
the once you're a vampire, you're you've lost all of your human. Right. You're a real empathy. asshole. Yes. Yeah. You need to kill saying. to live. They're more of like So are you saying undead. this works as a TV show or not? Yes, I am. Okay. But I want to make the point that these vampires are scary. Oh, okay. And that's what makes the book scary. Nowadays, right. vampires aren't fucking scary. Unless it's 28 Days Late. Wait, that's not even a vampire no, movie. No. That's a zombie movie. Yeah. Either way, I okay, I see what you're saying. I think my issue with this becoming a TV show revolves around the fact that it's really just the back half of the book where anything happens so they've got to figure out a different way i say they whoever they would be someone would need to figure out a way to frame the 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 action part of this book into something that's more interesting and works on tv as is you couldn't just have all of this random stuff happen for a season and then jump into the rest of it i was gonna say what would season two be would season one end where the book does or would you split it up or would it be the Adventures of Ben and Mark. I mean, I think you could just do it in 10 episodes. Okay. So it's a mini series. But I think you could do it longer if you really wanted to and you wanted to stick with Ben and Mark. And maybe you Callahan. You follow them. You know, maybe there's a half a season where they make their way to Mexico and then they come back and the last half of that season is them trying to eradicate vampires or something. Okay. I don't know. I think you could make a longer thing out of it. I'm just saying as is. The first part of this book would be really hard to use in anything because nothing happens. And no one's going to sit through a full season of them going, is it vampires? Like, you gotta, you're going to have to give some meat. You're going to have to give some meat. But, okay, so who would play your characters in oh your movie? God, I don't know. That's tough. So, Susan I know. Susan Norton, someone blonde. No, Susan for me, would be the girl in Baby Driver. Okay. The one he's interested in, who sings the song to him. Okay. I think Ben, Ben would probably be, uh, who's a writer? Maybe like Ryan Gosling, maybe not as hot. What do you think? I mean, Gosling could do it. Is he too sensitive? Aren't we all? No. Well, No, I don't think so. Matt, 60-ish year old professor. What? I don't know. I, don't these know? are hard to think of off the top of my head. This is like being like, what are your favorite songs this year? And immediately I'm go- I just go, I don't know. Oh, well, I asked this question during Carrie and you. Yeah, but there's only one real role in Carrie. <laughs> this, there's like so many characters. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head who I would have play all of these people. I think Gosling works for Ben. I could get behind that. You need someone who is good at talking for Matt. Let's bring in Clooney. Okay. Uh, the girl from Baby Driver could work as Susan. Um, I also think just any she's not in it long enough, so any just body whoever has had good chemistry with Gosling could work. Straker, somebody big and scary. And bald. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Mr. Clean, the cartoon, as mm. Straker. Okay. Got it. Not not opposed. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, I mean, there's just so many characters that you would need uh, a good thing. Here's the interesting part, though, is uh, there is a new adaptation of Salem's Lot coming. So I mm. guess we'll find out as to who actually ends up getting 
casting this thing. I think it'd be good if we kind of rolled with the idea of earlier of Mark, Ben, and Matt being almost the same character, just at different stages in their life. Mm-hmm. So I would like three people that kind of look alike. Okay. Right? I kind of like Russell Crowe as Callahan, just like kind of drunk and depressed. Right. And he seems like someone who would let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Aw. And I feel... Don't worry about Russell. Russell's rich. He's fine. Like, Mark Petrie could be the little kid from It who plays... Um, He's in everything. Not No, no, no. Not okay, well, there Bill. We go. That's what we do. Or the kid from Sh- no, Stranger no, no. Things. We take Bill from It, the kid version. Mm-hmm. We do Bill Hader as Ben. Mm-hmm. And then... We just need to find the older version of Bill Hader. The older version of Bill Hader is not George Clooney. Not yet. S- still not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. No, he's the little. Oh, I know who we get. We okay. get um, the guy from, you're not going to know his name. Um, his name is Michael Stolberg. Stolberg? Stolberg. Uh, he's a guy from uh, Call Me By Your Name. He gives the speech. Remember, he's the dad. Oh, I love him. He would be a great Matt. He would be a great Matt. I want the kid who plays Bill from It. I want Bill Hader. And I want Michael Stolberg. Okay. And any any blonde girl will do for Susan. I feel like she doesn't do enough. Like, she just says cutesy things. Like, I don't know if that needs to be some high-profile actress. No offense. I feel like the actress I chose isn't very high-profile. Uh huh. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then Russell Crowe is Callahan. Sure. Who is Jimmy? I don't know. Somebody who's been stabbed before in I real feel life. Like <laughs> I feel like it should also be somebody who's pretty funny. Noah Wiley. Jimmy is. I want no. it to be Noah Wiley because he's that a, guy's too serious. He played a doctor on ER, he's and he was a librarian serious. in that other set of movies. So mm. I like that. Plus, no. he hasn't been anything in a while. Let's get him some work. Hmm. No. Okay. I don't I don't like that. Well, whatever. It's my decision. <laughs> you asked me. It is. You're right. Yep. Okay, fine. I win. Um, what are my other questions? I have to pee so bad. Later. Hit me with it. Do you think the book holds up today? Uh yeah. I mean again, it starts too slow, but there's nothing in it that really dates it. I you agree. know, uh, that makes you go, oh, my God, when, when when the hell was this written? It just feels like a small town affair right? <laughs> riddled by vampires. And, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you said, though. I, I think if there's anything, maybe there's something to the fact that vampires are sort of glamorized these days. They're Robert Pattinson's and of the world and stuff. And, and Alexander Skarsgård. Right, and they're not really scary monsters, uh, so maybe there's something to that, but yeah, no, I mean, this is still a good creature feature kind of thing. Would it, it holds up. you read it again, again, <laughs> or you, recommend it to Yeah, others? I would read it again, and I probably would cruise through it the second time knowing that the first half is just slow. And knowing, I probably would enjoy the first half more the second time going, I know when there's this that. ramps up, I know when this is all going to happen, and... I'm good on like kind of taking my time through this part mm-hmm. and just, you know, hitting it and everything's going to be fine. Okay. Uh, 
I would recommend it, but it would be 100% with a disclaimer that you have to work through the first half. And if you don't like it, stick with it because it does get fun. And if you are into it, you know, more the better for you. But yeah, it's recommendable for sure. It's a huge hit book that sold a zillion copies. So, but it, I think it has to come with a disclaimer though, right? Like the first half is slow. It depends on who I'm recommending it to. Right. Anybody who's, I would probably be like, well, John thought the beginning was really slow, but I enjoyed it because I love the way. Whatever. It's written. What would be the theme song of this book? Something creepy. Mm. Anything from the Lost Boys. Ooh, how do we get Kiefer Sutherland in this? He could play Barlow. Yeah. Well, we already said Donald plays Straker in the Rob Lowe adaptation. I like it. Um, Let's get them in here. I think he could play Mike Ryerson. The first guy. He's not in it very long. Yeah, but I feel like Kiefer Sutherland would be like a cameo. Yeah. Um, the theme song of the book. I would like something like synthy, creepy. Okay. Doodly, doodly, doodly. I don't know if that's creepy. It like wasn't. Stranger Things creepy? Mm, yeah, kind of. I, I, I would like the, if this was like a show, I would like the juxtaposition between small town, main, old vampire but something kind of creepy but like synthy mm. dark like that all works for me but then again we've already seen that in stranger things and a million other things so maybe we I'm change gonna, it up i'm gonna Polka. do <laughs> bella lugosi's dead Bauhaus. that is another one i i rock in the shower you sing it yeah <laughs> i'm not sure that's a thing wait where we are you need going a pee break. oh my god Yeah. Um, what were we talking about there at the end? The theme song of the book. Oh, theme songs. So anyways, <laughs> I'm going Synthy something or other. Synthy something. I'm going Bauhaus. All right. A couple of tidbits. Original name for the book, Second Coming. Mm-hmm. Then changed to Jerusalem's Lot. Which before they thought sounded too religious. It eventually got to Salem's Lot. Which made me think, before I read it a long time ago, I was like, oh, Salem's Lot, it probably has something to do with witches. Nope. Vampires. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, yeah, King was, uh, and he had a thought, what would happen if Dracula returned to modern times? That was kind of the inspiration for the book. And his wife was like, she, he'd get hit by a car. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I did read a thing that someone said, you know, that... Uh, this is more kind of in line with invasion of the body snatchers than Dracula. And I agree mm. with that because people just kind of get assimilated into the Dracula or the uh, Barlow ranks, you know, and it's just sort of like they're just being taken more so than killed in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I get that comparison. Don't you? Well, and Dracula is more centered around dracula no yeah i get that but i'm saying it's not really just about people just dying Uh, they're all just being turned into vampires more so right um yeah and king says this is his favorite story in a way it is my favorite story mostly because of what it says about small towns they are kind of a dying organism right now the 
the story seems sort of down home to me. I have a special cold spot in my heart for it. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're bored. No, I'm not. Just yawning. I'm not. I got to go pee and I just feel such relief. No, we edited that out. Well, I'm sorry that we, they'll know that I peed. The part where we threw down our headphones and both ran to the bathroom. <laughs> we edited that out. Um, all right. So we are trying to keep a ranker. I know we're only on book two. Mm-hmm. What, where, where is it ranked for you in regards to just at least Carrie? I like this better than Carrie. Better than Carrie. Yeah. Um, I, I'm torn on this because I like these streamlined approach of Carrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this does feel kind of like a bigger, grander step for King, and mm-hmm. it just does more in the parts that where it really hums, it hums. And Carrie feels a little bit basic compared to this, so I will rank Salem's Lot above Carrie. Not surprising to me. Disclaimer, though, slow to start. I think but everybody hey, gets that they think that hey, you think it's slow to start. That's the emperor of ice cream, though. That's just how things go. Life. Liberty. And the emperor of ice cream. Yeah, sure. Whatever. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. Is there anything else that you feel like you missed or wanted to say in regards to Salem's Lot? Mm, nope. Father Callahan shows up quite a few times in other Stephen King books. We mentioned that. Um, Dark Tower, Wolves of the Kala, Dark Tower, Song of Susanna, and uh, finally, just the Dark Tower. He goes to New York and stuff, and I don't know. We'll it looks kind of wild. We're going to get to him. I'm interested. We've got The Shining next. Yes. I'm and so that'll be in. that'll be great. And uh, yeah, uh, Room 237 coming soon. We're going to start watching those tonight, probably. Yeah. There's three. There's a Salem's Lot made for TV thing. There's a From return the to Salem's Lot. And then there was another one. It was also made for TV, another Salem's Lot. So there's three adaptations. 2004. That we're going to. Rob Lowe version. We're going to get to all of those. And we'll do room 237 on 800 minutes of Salem's Lot, whatever. (laughs) We'll see how those turn out. And then at some point, we'll do a revision to room 237 because they have the updated movie coming. It's in the works now. So we'll just have to flash back and. And yeah. jump right back in and see how we feel about that one. I don't know. Maybe we do a reread or something when that comes out. But yeah, Salem's Lot. Good book. Slow to start. I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Loved it. I recommend that reading it than listening to is it. Is it. Stay tuned for our thoughts on the many visual works of Salem's Lot. Right. Bum, bum, bum. Bye. <laughs>